This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. This is Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing from iHeartRadio. Brazen, blunt, unapologetic, these are just a few of the words that describe the unexpected comedy of my guest today, Tim Dillon. Named one of the top ten comics you need to know by Rolling Stone, this former child actor has released specials on Netflix and Comedy Central and graced the stages of the Glasgow Comedy Festival and South by Southwest. Dylan is also a fellow podcaster. Since 2016, his blend of truth-telling hot takes and controversial opinions can be heard every week on The Tim Dillon Show. Like many who make their living on the road, Dylan was mostly sidelined from touring throughout the pandemic. We spoke about where and how he spent his time during COVID. I was in Los Angeles, and then I went out to Palm Springs, which is a desert, because if I don't have to be near work, I can be in the desert. So I went out to the desert. You have a home there, too. No, no. I, 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 <laughs> On your business card, yeah, it says, Palm yeah, Springs. Yeah. What part of LA are you in? Yeah, uh, Beverly Hills. Beverly, perfect. Yeah. Beverly, the offices yeah. of Tim Dillon, Beverly Hills, Palm <laughs> yeah. Springs, Texas. Yeah. New York. And New York. Yeah, I, I went out there, and we were able to podcast and make people laugh on the internet. And thank God, because that helped our sanity. And obviously, we were able to monetize that and make money. But, you know, important for uh, comedians is to be funny. It's how we live. We're, we're screwed up people that need an outlet. And thank God we had an outlet. Well, we're going to get to your yeah. background. Right. A glorious background you and I share. A Long Island background. A Long Island background, which is to don't all the most polished and sophisticated. You know, and I know that we're being funny, but maybe that is true. Maybe you know? it's true. Maybe, maybe it is true. true. When you're starting out, you're in an age where you're you're not a kid. No. And and, and everything's not the internet and, and and the way things are now. Right. What was your comedy diet when you were growing up? What did you well, watch? Well, it was a lot of SNL. Right. So it was a lot of SNL. It was a lot of Farley and Spade and Chris Rock and Mike Myers and 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 even the next generation of Molly Shannon and Anna Gasteyer and and Sherry O'Terry and Will Ferrell. I loved SNL. I liked Mad TV, which was you know was Artie Lang and all these other people. 
Uh, I love sketch comedy. I would watch Carlin and Pryor and Hicks and, and Kinnison and Joan Rivers and all of these people as I was growing up. So vintage people like Pryor vintage, and Carlin. Yeah, for sure. And I also loved, you know, sitcoms. So I loved Frasier. And I loved, I thought, yeah, Kelsey Grammer and David I. Pierce, I thought they were brilliant. You know, comedy to me was was kind of this very broad thing that I didn't know what it was or or how I would make a living at it. It seemed, uh, you know, incredibly unrealistic to make a living at comedy because it was something that was so happening somewhere else far away, you know? And then as I, you know, got older, I, I was an actor as a kid and I did some, you know, off-Broadway, off-off-Broadway. I toured around the country. You with came the, into the city. Came into the city a lot. I toured with uh, Annie Get Your Gun, which was, uh, they had a touring version of that. But I was always in the city as an actor, and it didn't work, you know, I, I from the... Why? From, Why do you think it didn't work? I had the same voice I have now at seven, right. and that's challenging. <laughs> it's very hard for a director to... I'll have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich yeah. <laughs> and some strawberry quick. <laughs> yeah. It was very jarring, because I was a cute kid, but then the director heard the voice, and he went, you know, this is a bit much. And it didn't work, but it gave, laid the groundwork and the foundation for the idea that I loved being on stage and I loved the entertainment business and I loved New York City. So eventually it led me out of Long Island into New York pursuing stand-up comedy a decade later. But it was, um, you know, the acting never—it it worked in the sense that I was a part of a lot of really cool things, but it never got to that next level. I never booked it a part that took me to L.A. or— do you, th- do you think you could now? Do you want to? I mean, I don't know that I could or couldn't. I think that um, I'm not the greatest actor. I'll be very honest. And I'm, I'm, don't let that stop you. I, <laughs> <laughs> it's actually stunning how bad I, I am. I have a list of movies I want you to watch. I'm pretty good at uh, being me and being funny as me. But when I do auditions, you know, I have friends run lines with me. It's stunning how not good I am. I'm surprised okay. by how bad I am. So. If, you, if you don't have that uh, but, appetite. Then but, yeah. I mean, we just did an audition. Eli Roth was doing a movie, a video game movie. He is a fan. He said, I want you to work. And we did. Me and my producer drilled 40 takes to get a really good take. They went with an older guy uh, who, in Eli's words, was older and fatter and more Russian. And that's fair. Uh, and, uh, but it takes me a while. But I think, I, I think it's a possibility. Well, the only reason I say explore it is because... There's something about certain comics that leads you to believe there's a kind of um, the root of the comedy is to some extent the trauma of some experiences from childhood. Yeah. Then both of those vents are there. And can both be of those vents have been installed. Yeah. When Seinfeld did this show, he said a line once that really got to me. He said, when I go out on stage, he said, I blow myself up almost like a Macy's Day. You know, he says, I make myself yeah. larger. Right. And all of my presence is kind of inflated and right. larger. Is that true of you? Are you the same on stage as you are off no, stage? No, no, no. I'm an exaggerated version of myself on right. stage. I think I'm more animated on stage. I think off stage would be exhausting. You couldn't get through a dinner with me if I was uh, So you're not st- like Tom Arnold? It, no, it's not the same. Right? <laughs> He's exactly the same on camera God, as he is off camera. Really? Yeah. Bl- bless him. But I, uh, no, I need, a, you know, some time to, you know, refuel. Mm-hmm. And I think that, uh, uh, I use that offstage. And I think when people meet me, they're a little surprised. They go, oh, you're a little more scaled down. I go, you yeah, will, of course. Now, you talked about how your parents divorced and your mother was diagnosed with schizophrenia. Mother's a schizophrenic. And how did that play out? That came, she, she came to that later in life. That was when you were how old? 
I was in my late teens when it started to come out, when I started to go, oh, there's something wrong. And then you learn, you know, you learn about mental illness and you learn that it's physical illness, essentially, right? And it's, you know, there's treatments and things. Helped, it yeah. can't really be helped. And like, you know, I have jokes about it and I make fun of it. And, and, and you know, I think to certain people, they'd hear that and they go, well, that seems very callous or very cruel, but it's how I deal with it in the same way that many people deal with tragedies with humor. So I think I, I love my mother. My mother, you know, did great things for me, and I appreciate her. Your father was gone. and No, he was there. He's there. They were still married. They were still married. And At they, that point. They got divorced eventually. They got divorced. How many siblings? Yeah. None. You were an only child. Just me. Jesus Christ. Just me. They wanted one person to experience it all. They didn't want to, you know, spread it out. They wanted one guy to take all the all the fun of that Long Island upbringing with his schizophrenic mother. For me, yeah. my therapist said to me years ago, you don't want to recreate the pain right. of what you experienced as a child. You're going to restage the play, but in your version of the play, you solve the problem that you right. couldn't solve as a child. Yeah. I'm, I'm only mentioning that, that, that that's something I carried over. What we, did you carry over? I think I carried over a sense of chaos, a, a, a very unhealthy sense of chaos. Um, I grew up in chaos, and to me, I'm very comfortable around it, right? I'm very comfortable. I mean, as you said, what's my address? Who knows, right? I mean, that's kind of a good idea. You know, I've moved every six months during the quarantine. I like new things and new. I mean, there's many frustrated realtors out there. You know, I've left a lot of them in my wake, but I do, I do, I think, unfortunately, maybe I've tied a little bit of my creativity to the chaos, and there's a fear that... The chaos is actually good, and the chaos is actually—it's fuel. fuel, and it's what I'm used to and what I know. And hearing you say it, that's actually a very interesting thing about recreating, you know, those environments that we grew up in. We learned to thrive in. We learned to survive in, and I could see myself doing that with a lot of some of the decisions I make. How would you describe your style? How would you—I mean, every comic has a style. Your I, I, own style, or who would you compare it to? No, I mean, I—, I, I I think that it's like it's it's certainly darker comedy, right? So it's dark comedy. There's a lot of different comedians. The, the problem with comedy is whenever you compare yourself to somebody, you're saying you're as good as them or anything, which is not right, true right, at all, right. right? So everyone hates doing that. I hate doing that. Right. But I mean, I, I do think it's somebody described it once. They said it's very dark in a light way, which I think is fun, right? There's there's a darkness, but then there's also you know complaining about frozen yogurt. Uh, I think there's a a way to experience the un, unpleasantness of, of the world in hopefully a light way that allows people to laugh at things that they wouldn't necessarily laugh at. And on days when they don't want to laugh, that to me is kind of what the show is about, what the stand-up's about, is that when people reach out to me and go, the show's gotten me through the last year, or your, your, your live show was so great, we're all so happy, we had a rough week and it made us happy— that's really good to me. I don't really want or need happy people in my audience. I need a challenge. I want someone coming in that needs to laugh. If you're, if you're 20 and If great, they're drunk, too, that if, helps. You know, I'd love them to be drunk. <laughs> and, but, I mean, if you're a model and you're 20, you know, sometimes I go on stage at the Hollywood Improv, I look at the audience, and everyone's 23 and a model, and I go, I don't know. I don't know about this because yeah. you don't need this and I don't yeah. need this either. I don't need you and you don't need me. Right. So we're on a bad date here. Set. You're all set. We're on a bad date. <laughs> but that's okay too. But yeah, so I mean, I think that's the style. It's d d darkly funny in a, in a light way. Now, because you don't, 
You don't do sitcoms. You're not on a sitcom. You've had TV specials and so forth. I've had things like that, yeah. Comedy Central and that kind of thing. Yeah, I've never booked a role on a recurring thing. But So for you, stand-up is is, is the main meat. Well, it's stand-up and and the podcast has gotten really big. Got it. Yeah, but that that is it. But that stand-up thing is your your calling card with the podcast. That's right. And, And when you do that, what is writing like for you? Meaning, are you one of these guys that's walking around saying, you know, squirrel... You know, get yeah. the vasectomy. Write that down. Squirrel vasectomy. No. Are you constantly writing? No. I think I have, like, interests. So I have these weird interests where I go, I, I'll, I'll read stuff and I'm interested in stuff. I have natural curiosity about a lot of weird things. And usually the things that interest me I find funny. I find amusing because they amuse me. So whether it's uh, a cryptocurrency now that I'm interested in, and I don't really have a hard position either way. I just find the world fascinating. I find this, that there's pictures of apes selling for a million dollars online. This interests me. It, it seems like it's all about to collapse. And again, the, you know, the darkness, the pain running towards that. So stuff like that. I'll, I'll start writing about that. I'll start writing about what's funny about that to me. What's funny about an economy based on pictures of animals. Why is that funny to me? Why is that ridiculous? Why is that absurd? And I'll start writing about that. I'll start talking about it maybe on the show. And then I'll bring it to a comedy club eventually. But I'm not a guy. I don't have that skill set that some comedians have where they you know, can look at the squirrel or something and go immediately. I have it immediately. I just kind of, I have interests. You don't I, seek it. It comes to you. Yeah. I, I, you don't I, sit down and write. Sometimes I'll, I'll write, but it'll be once I have an idea. I'll have an idea about uh, a brunch. I hate brunch, and I and I hate it, and I want to write about why I hate it. And I don't like Disney World. I don't like ch- people that go to Disney World without children. It's strange. Yeah. And I'll write about that, and I write about these things that interest me and, and things that might – I look at something and go, that's not quite right. That's where it maybe starts. That's not quite right. A picture of an ape selling for a million dollars. That's not, not quite right. Right? <laughs> right? Two 35-year-olds at Disney World, not a kid in sight. Not, not quite, quite right. Brunch, a bunch of these young, boozy, drunk professionals eating, uh, you know, French toast and complaining Lobster about rolls. wedding DJs. Right. Not quite right. So then I, I reverse engineer from that. So the COVID, you were locked down in uh, L.A.? We were locked down in L.A. It was fine because it was, you know, the weather's great and you could walk outside. Compared to the New York lockdown, was much better. We got away on the West Coast a lot easier in terms of weather and just the natural, you know, kind of beauty of the area. I'm not an L.A. person in terms of I hate right. being in a car. Yes. What, you know, having grown up on the island, yeah. and, you're being, and we're going to get to that in a second, having, being a New Yorker and a Long yeah. Islander, you love what of that L.A.? Do you love being in a car and the, no, the I don't bubble love, of being in a car? I don't love being in a car. I do think that L.A.'s new and different, you know, for me as a guy that grew up in uh, Long Island, grew up in New York. And I think there's a synergy there that is good for creativity. Uh, again, the chaos, right? Again, the idea of like, okay, I'm happy and comfortable in one place. Let's move. Let's go somewhere else. Let's find a new circle of people. I've let's, done that. Yeah, and so I, I enjoyed it, and I didn't think I'd like it as much as I do. I, it came as a surprise to me. And I trash it all the time because it, it, there's a lot of things worth trashing. But you learn to live with it. You pick a coast, you know, and mm-hmm. I think that— uh, you know, it was, uh, it, was, it was good. I love the comedy store. I love the history. I love the, you know, the idea of, you know, show business there. And I love the idea of, you know, people that are really focused on making things happen. But that also comes with the fact that you have a lot of fake, spineless, hollow, shallow human beings. That is tough. But you learn to love them. Right. You learn to lo- because 
we're all that in a way. We're all not, you know, we're not as ugly and exposed as they are in L.A. We're not as, you know, naked in the sense of our ambition as they are. But I think that, like, you learn to have a higher tolerance for that out there than than you do. Like, you know, when I went there and everyone in New York was like, well, everyone there's fake and they pretend to like you. And I said, well, that sounds kind of nice. There's something that's nice about that. You know, in the beginning, I hated that idea. Well, I don't want anyone to pretend to like me unless they love me. Now people go, hey, how are you? Great to see you. And I get my car, I go, they hate me. But you know what? That was lovely. Right. So I think that there's, there's a, <laughs> you know, I know for a fact they hate me. It's a delightful phone. But it was a nice little meal we had. And we we're sitting near each other in the restaurant. So to me, you get to a point where you go, that's okay. And then in New York, immediately you, you, you land and people start unloading 20 years of problems on you immediately. Yeah. And you go, oh, here's a problem with reality. Comedian Tim Dillon. If you enjoy conversations with boundary-pushing comedians, check out my episode with Jordan Klepper. When I got into college, I did the improv team. and I think what was so eye-opening for me at the time is what I found in the arts and or improv specifically was like I'd never been asked to kind of think in that way. It was creative. There was no yes or no. There was no right answer. And I was suddenly around people who were very curious in different ways. And suddenly it's like, well, there's no right answer. We want to know how you feel. And I, I think I'd gone 18 years where it was like, oh, nobody asked me how I felt about this. They just asked me, like, what was the, the slope of this, this line or this angle? And, for, and that, was, that was really kind of a game changer for me. To hear more of my conversation with Jordan Klepper, go to our archives at heresthething.org. After the break, Tim Dillon shares with us how he thinks we can find common ground in a contentious culture. Mother's Day is coming, and Mom doesn't want flowers. She wants a cocktail. Here's a hint. Get Mom Bartesian. It's the countertop cocktail maker that creates your choice of over 60 premium cocktails in less than 30 seconds, each at the touch of a button. Flowers die. Happy hour comes back every day. So get Mom the machine that makes amazing cocktails with real fruit juices and craft bitters. Best of all, get $50 off a Bartesian premium cocktail maker with the purchase of one pack of cocktail capsules. So, instead of getting mom a reason to fill a flower vase with water, get mom the easiest, fastest way to fill her glass with the floral notes of gin. The best cocktails are premium cocktails, and the best day to get it for mom is Mother's Day, because you can get $50 off now for a limited time. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother to get the best premium cocktail maker for mom at the best price for you. Artesian, premium cocktails on demand. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. It's spring, and with the weather changing and so many great things coming up, like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour, I definitely need a fresh spring wardrobe for every occasion. This spring, I'm looking for that perfect, flowy spring dress for Mother's Day, as well as replacing my everyday basics. That's what I love about JCPenney. They have so many stylish and comfortable options that I always find just what I'm looking for there. Spring is a feel-good season and comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. The fashion at JCPenney is the same way. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with styles that gets you, something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes, and Stafford and Mutual Weave for him, style and comfort for all, even big and tall, plus even more for the whole family like Levi's and Exertion. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count.
Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. I'm Alec Baldwin. You're listening to Here's the Thing. For a stand-up comedian, life on the road is a prerequisite. But not all stops on tour are equal. Tim Dillon shares with us his favorite places to perform. I love Denver. It's a great comedy town, and everybody there's hiking and up and down taking mountains. Edibles. Taking edibles. They're all relaxed. <laughs> they're all... They're, they're ready to receive. They're very healthy, but they're also off. They're off. There's something wrong when you look at them. I like Denver a lot. I love Chicago. You know, my big markets are Boston, Chicago, Denver, places where, you know, you would, there are cultures and people that, you know, enjoy yeah. c- comedy. And these are great towns and cities. But then I also have the privilege of going to other places, you know, Portland, Maine, for example, a place I didn't know existed. But I'm sure when you say Boston and Chicago, places where, let's be plain, uh, where yeah. straight-talking white guys are a hit. Well, they're a hit, but a lot of things are a hit. Comedy's a hit, right? Because right? there's there's places where straight-talking white guys are a hit, but comedy's not a hit. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Wyoming wouldn't work for me. And if you're a straight-talking white guy in Wyoming, right. you're a hit. Yeah. But comedy doesn't work there because they don't get irony. Oh, they don't really get satire. Uh, they're not with it. Now, and God bless them, and I'm sure there's some lovely people that prove me wrong, but in mass— it's not a great state for comedy. Now, was your family still on Long Island? Oh, yeah. Why your leave? Mother, your mother. <laughs> <laughs> when the world is divided yeah. between people who, who they'll, they'll write me on social media and yeah. say, well, I left uh, Bayshore. I left yes. Patchogue. They've never left. They talk about it. 20 years ago. And they'll, and they'll say, oh, no, I miss Robert Moses. I miss yeah. the beaches of Long Island. And there's people who they're never leaving. Never. Right. Well, my, my friend's mother was interesting. Every dinner we ever had, these were very good friends, and they take us on vacations, and we go to dinner. Every dinner we had, she talked about a condo in Naples. I mean, this was her dream, a condo in Naples. They're going to get a condo in Naples, and they should drag her husband down to Florida. And they'd go endlessly look at condos in Naples, and this is all that she wanted. And then her husband sadly passed away, so I asked her, you know, a few years ago, I said, are you ever going to get the condo in April? She goes, well, what would I do there? And I said, but that's all you talked about for your whole life. And then I realized, oh, that was the important thing. It was the idea that she could escape, but there was no escape. Right. So the idea is that I many people— the pe- option. The option. Many people talk about leaving, but they never leave. My parents will never leave. They've talked about Georgia and the Carolinas. They've talked about the humidity and the nights in Charleston, but they're, they're never going to leave 
When I was a kid, my dearest friends who lived in the house behind us on our block and my best friends growing up until I was nine years old, Kevin and Keith Cornelius were my best friends and their father, Harold Cornelius, his name, they called him Hap. Hap Cornelius was a builder and we're standing in my driveway and he turns to my dad. He goes, we're selling the house, we're moving. And my dad's like, wow, you're kidding. He goes, yeah, we're going to sell. We're going to move out to Smithtown. And this is back in the 60s. And my father's like, wow, well, you know, God, we're going to miss you and best of luck to you. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And as he walked away, my dad turned to my mother and he goes, Smithtown, Jesus, that's Siberia. He said. <laughs> <laughs> Can you yeah. imagine? Yeah, well, I mean, that's, I think the attitude was, was back then it was intensely local. Yeah. Everybody was very local and now everything's global. So now like you, I, you know, I have people that message me, you know, a kid from Pakistan messaged me the other day, young kid, 15. He goes, I like your podcast because you make fun of your government. And I said, that's awesome. It was this amazing, mind-blowing moment, but it didn't even rock me. That's how global the world is right now. Later on that night, I sat back and I, and I said to myself, I was like, you got to really think about how amazing that is, that moment that a teenager in Pakistan has somehow found the podcast and likes it because you're doing something that they may not be able to do. And he likes comedy and wants to be a comedian. And so to me, I go, that's a really wild thing. But we're so it's such a global world that it you don't stop and, and realize the magic of that the way you should. Do you ever go back to the island? Oh, yeah. I mean, we went back. I love the food. So I always go to a strip mall Italian restaurant and grab a bagel. I I love you know, every now and then I'll drive through like, you know, you know, King's Point or Sands Point and look at the Gadsby era mansions, the old mansions. Yeah. I used to, you know, like I, and I love the Hamptons. I go back every summer for at least two weeks and I rent a house and I and I loved it. And I swim at, at Cooper's Beach and I and I eat a bunch of seafood and I see friends and I love I love it. It's the most, my favorite place in the world. To visit. But then I have to go back to that hellish canyon on fire because it's the choice I've made. And everyone I know who's bi-coastal is a little insane. Everyone in my business who tries to do both coasts is crazy. And I I developed an affinity for Palm Springs during the quarantine too. A lot of history out there. Palm Springs got to be, you know, this thing because it was, you had to be, when the old contracts came out, you could never be 200, more than 200 miles away from Paramount Studios. So Palm Springs is 199 miles away. It's just very interesting. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. No, this I is, love that. And that's why this just, this desert town became this really kind of beautiful, interesting, perfect, you know, Lee, you know, uh, restored, you know, mid-century modern estates and these really some yeah. old cars and a really kind of old Hollywood glam about it that was very interesting. Sure. And it transported you back to the 1950s when people, I think, were somewhat optimistic about America. Not everyone, but there, there was certainly a feeling of optimism, right? It was post-war. And you see that reflected in the architecture and the, just the urban planning in the city. You feel it and you go, this is what it feels like to build a city when things are going really well. Mm-hmm. And when people believe that, you know, you know, the cultural trends and everything are trending in the right direction. So I I do like it out there. And I, I do think that I was too quick to dismiss it. You know, it'll never be New York. It's not ever going to be New York. It's, it's, it's apples and oranges. And it's apples and oranges. But I, I've learned to like oranges. You know, someone said to me once, they said, L.A., is just the chicest suburb in the world. It's not really a city. Right. They're a city right. that doesn't have a, a, real, they're, a real reliable, they're absolutely thriving right. public transportation system and so right. forth. Out there, very few people know who their congressman is. Very few people know who their state assembly members are. If they you do would, know who their school board is. It's a very yeah. school board-centered yes. political fabric out there. Yes. 
All I, they care about is schools. If you put a gun to my head, I couldn't tell you my congressman. I know every maitre d' of every <laughs> restaurant. I know who's working Craig's. I know who's working, you know, all the places I want to go. But, I, you know, who's in El Pisteo? When I'm in town, here? you come with We're going to go to Craig's. We're going to go to Craig's. I love Craig's. That's I lo- where I saw Sidney Poitier when he died. Really? I wrote a little quick m- memento and I saw online and I said how I was in Craig's. Yeah. And I met him there. Oh, it's I love, nice. I love Craig's. It's, I like it. I get into it. I think yeah. if you allow yourself to get into it. And you can, nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with you that. You are in the business, aren't you? I'm in the business, and I get into it. And, you know, it's like, listen, it has its problems. Sure. But at the end of the day, it's like, what place doesn't? And, you know, I tried a little bit of Austin, Texas during the quarantine. A hellish place. Why? Um, I got a lot of progressive friends, gay friends. Yes. Well, there's, people who they love. They, it's the Republic of Austin. They yes, love it. but I'm, I'm a little spoiled by L.A. and New York. Right. So I need a tomato. You know what I mean? I can't not have, like, there are certain things I like. I can't have two sushi restaurants that are booked out for a year. (laughs) You know what I mean? I need That's Austin? Yeah, I need uh, choices of places to eat and things to do and things to see. You know, and then there's a lot of people that, listen, there's a lot of people that live in Austin that didn't make it in New York or L.A. Let's just be very honest. It is what it is. There's a little bit of a... You know, a little bit of a a weirdness about that city that I think comes from the fact that it is a city that seems to cater to the unambitious for up until recently when all the tech people are coming in there and they'll ruin it. But for right now, forever, it's been people whose art wasn't commercially viable. So they went to, you know, get high and eat brisket. They should have that. But not for me. <laughs> um, let me ask you in the time we have, you've done Rogan's show. Ton, 11 the, times. Right, right, there, there Are go. people mad at him? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't read the paper. What did you think about, uh, uh, without commenting on him, I mean, I'm assuming yeah. he's a pal. He's a big pal, yeah. He's a, he's a pal. And, and but what did you think about this whole Spotify thing? Well, again, I think a mature country has to allow people to have conversations that are uncomfortable and difficult. And I do think that I, I love Joe. I know Joe. I'm an overweight guy who smoked and, you know, drank and used drugs in his life. I was vaccinated the day it came out because I said I talked to a doctor and I went, yeah, I mean, this seems to make a lot of sense for me. I'm not I'm not going to gamble this. You're sober. Sober. How long? 12 years. I got 37 years this month. Congrats. And I don't really go yeah. public too much about yeah. that. But these days I don't yeah. avoid it. What was your drug of choice? Oh, I liked booze. I liked Coke too. But 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 booze was the acceptable don't down, one. Don't you downplay the Coke thing to me, you. No, Coke was good. But then, you know, booze <laughs> was so acceptable from an Irish family. Yes. That I was able booze to Booze get... is part of cuisine. Yes. Booze is part we of it We have all. to have wine. Pair, w- with pair the wines. The uh, yeah. Chateaubriand. Yeah. So what, what, what I think about that whole thing is like, listen, I think people should be able to have conversations. Joe is having conversations with people that have vastly different ideas about the way to handle uh, coronavirus. I think that at the end of the day, when you have a controversial topic, I don't believe the best way to handle it is to shut down speech. I think you should talk more about it from more angles and get more views, more opinions. And that way you flesh everything out, you get it all out in the open, and then consensuses will emerge and people will start seeing the avenues of what's right and what's wrong. But to me, by shutting people down, it doesn't necessarily help and it makes people somewhat paranoid. And they go, well, why are you not letting me listen to that person? And why are you preventing me from hearing this? I think... A mature country has to be able to engage in those conversations, you know, from all sides. 
comedian Tim Dillon. If you're enjoying this conversation, tell a friend. And be sure to follow Here's the Thing on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. When we come back, Tim Dillon shares with us why the many facets of his personality don't always make it into his act. Mom met a lot of your demands over the years. This Mother's Day, get her the Bartesian cocktail maker that makes premium cocktails on demand. In just 30 seconds, have your choice of over 60 premium or seasonal cocktails, all at the touch of a button. Get $50 off on the Bartesian cocktail maker now when you buy one pack of cocktail capsules. So, for all the times you made a mess, get Mom the countertop cocktail system that makes premium cocktails without making any mess at all. For all the times you begged for soda, get her premium cocktail capsules made with real fruit juice and craft bitters. For all the times you demanded tacos for dinner, get her the Bartesian that mixes margaritas in just 30 seconds. Make Mom's Mother's Day and all the 364 days that aren't Mother's Day with a Bartesian cocktail maker at $50 off. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother now to get $50 off the Bartesian premium cocktail maker. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. It's spring and with the weather changing and so many great things coming up like Mother's Day and the wind down tour, I definitely need a fresh spring wardrobe for every occasion. This spring, I'm looking for that perfect flowy spring dress for Mother's Day, as well as replacing my everyday basics. That's what I love about JCPenney. They have so many stylish and comfortable options that I always find just what I'm looking for there. Spring is a feel good season and comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. The fashion at JCPenney is the same way. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with styles that gets you something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes, and Stafford and Mutual Weave for him, style and comfort for all, even big and tall, plus even more for the whole family like Levi's and Exertion. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. When Tim Dillon was 25, he made several transformative decisions after being called for jury duty. It would ultimately change the course of his life. I was a juror in a murder trial. It was Did you go mur- the whole distance? Yeah. It was two weeks in Long Island, murder and torture. Absolutely great for me. 
a huge learning experience. It was kind of, I couldn't afford going on like the a murder retreat. And tor- well, but I want to give you a chance to rephrase yeah. it. The murder and torture case wasn't great for you. The well, experience, the experience was great for the me. The experience of being on the jury was great for you. Absolutely. I'm trying to help you out here, pal. Someone was getting, there we go, I've stepped in and yeah. Someone was going to have to sit in that box, and I did, and it made me really look at my life at 25 and go, you know, I haven't gone after what I wanted to go after, which is being a comedian and making people laugh. And, you know, the jury, I would make them laugh every day during lunch, and they would go, we hear the most horrible things every day, but you're really funny. And... You know, have you ever thought of, you know, doing comedy? I go, yeah, you know, I think about it. I've never done it. So after that trial, I really started, you know, living the way I wanted to live. So you were still using and drinking. I was still drinking during the trial. I forget what the trial was really about. You bring a flask. Yeah, I didn't bring your lunch pail. Yeah, I didn't pay too much attention. He'd seem guilty. I, I didn't really, you know, I didn't like the look of him, the way he yeah. kind of just scowled. Yeah. But no, I was... Uh, he seemed guilty. I, he seemed guilty. He seemed odd. And and I'm like, well, why would he even be in the room if he's not guilty? But so, I mean, life plus 50. And he... Um, no, was he, he was, found guilty? He was very guilty. He was actually incredibly guilty. The the only thing that wasn't... Who did he kill? The mother of his children. And he was uh, he was stalked her. He was a bad guy. And I didn't feel bad putting him away. I would have hated to do a jury, and I wouldn't have done it if it was like a drug dealer or somebody who like makes a mistake and does something that they shouldn't have done. This was a guy who was a hardened criminal who stalked and killed a woman. He Go away, no problem there. Yeah. But, you know, through that experience, I learned that I had a talent for humor, and I should sober up. You killed in the jury room. I was the guy. <laughs> I mean, it was so fun for people to be a part of this. And people still message me and go, great week of Dude. my life. Great week of my life. So yeah. to me, it's a test of your comedic ability to kind of go in there where everybody, every day it's murder, torture, murder, torture, lacerations, lacerations. And for me to go in there and just kind of, again, a breath of fresh air. I, you know, as soon as I heard that it was going to be a big, high-profile trial, I didn't want to get out. I said, let me stay in because I knew that it was going to be impactful. So I, I actually— curious. I answered questions that would get me in, like when the prosecutor said, so we've looked up your name. Because when they get serious, they run your name, which goes, you've had your license suspended. You must hate the cops. And I said, well, you know, I didn't pay my tickets. I hate myself for being irresponsible. And I'd just sit back, and then, you know, the DA would look and go, oh, okay. And then the defense attorney would come up, and she'd go, murder and torture. How can you be impartial when you hear these things? And I'd go, they're just words. I've seen no proof. So I finally got it after my, it was my best audition, and I got it, and it, and it changed my life, you know. I, I left that going, wow, life is short. you got to do what you want. Now, you are, sexuality-wise, you yeah. identify as gay. Yes, I but, identify. But, but, but do people say to yeah. you— do people, I don't seem like I am. What, what I'm saying is that yeah, I don't want to. I'm no, glad you said that. No, that's no, fair. no, no. You said that. that I you said it. You just canceled yourself. I said it. You didn't. You just said that. But, but I said it. But my point is, is that do people in the gay community say you're not gay enough? No, but outside of the gay community, they do. In the gay community, there's all different types of gay people. On television, there's one type. You think I don't know that? You know that, but I'm saying that there's a lot of. I think, you know, there's casting. So they cast somebody as gay. Right. They cast, and it's usually, you know, very a young, a good-looking somebody in the design and very stylish and whatever. But that's not. The, it's a big community, and I'm I'm out of, and I have, you know, my comedy is about who I am and honesty and all that shit. So I don't care about anything. But I think the gay community is a lot broader than 
uh, people think. And but you I don't think, play it up in your comedy. I don't play it up. But I mean, it's I known. have friends who I won't comment on. Yeah, sure. Who are very funny, but yes. they clearly want it. They, they want it clear, right? I I'm going to do a set of gay comedy. Yes, I have jokes, a few jokes about it, but not a ton. It's well known if you're a fan of mine. But yeah, I've never felt it to be the funniest thing. Whereas. Yeah, I've never felt it to be the funniest part of me. When it works, it works, and when it doesn't, you leave it out. Yeah, I just never felt, like, some people, it is why they are interesting, and that's not me. Some people, it is why they are different, or where their perspective is completely from. There's nothing wrong with that in the slightest. But with me, I, I think I, I have a lot of different things going on, and, uh, you know, it's, it's a part of my identity. There's only one tell. Yeah. There's only one clue. Was my mention of Eggs Benedict? No. no, no, exactly. No, no. That, that's was it my that's seven the minutes one. of discussing Eggs Benedict. No, that, that, that was a, that was a close second yeah, yeah. to when you said Palm Springs. Palm Springs. Because all yeah. my friends, yes. who are gay, have yeah. palms in Palm Springs. Gay people like the desert. We don't yeah. like the woods. They love Palm Springs. Lesbians like woods. Yeah. So a lot of lesbian uh, friends gay, of mine. Uh, uh, Palm Springs it's is beautiful. the West Twelfth Street yes. of uh, yes. uh, California. A lot of gay people in Palm Springs. Very good. And and old people, people who are in their nineties and hundreds. Now, I want to finish with this. Yes. First of all, we didn't get to Long Island, but no, that doesn't That's matter. That's okay. <laughs> you know what? We, we've both done enough for Long Island. You more than me. But. I, no, no. I, I drove my wife out there. You love it we out there. We go to my hometown. Well, we live, we live yeah. in East Hampton. Right. But, but, but we, 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 we go out there. I take my wife to Massapequa. I go to, we go to Massapequa a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I took her out here this past summer, and we drive through. And we do my drive. We go yeah. down Wanto Parkway. We go to Jones Beach, and here's Gilgo, and yeah. there's the water tower, sure. and here's where I was a lifeguard, and there's Fire Island. And we go through Massapequa, and we get to my neighborhood I grew up in. Yeah. And we go down into the bowels, into the yeah. south where the canals are sure, and the water streets. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, sure, sure. So we go by a house. Now, you would have thought this place, it was a business. They had yeah. so many Trump and QAnon flags. <laughs> Fluttering. It was a windy day. And literally, like, you couldn't have designed yeah. it. Steven Spielberg couldn't right. have filmed it better. Right. All these things are flapping yeah, 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 yeah. and pulsating in the wind. Trump, <laughs> QAnon, yeah, yeah, yeah. from my cold, dead hands. Right, right. They must have had a hundred of them yeah. on the lawn. Yeah. And my right. wife said to me, she goes, this is where you're from? I said, yeah. you know, we really didn't have this when I was a kid. It, it, yeah, it's wild. It's, I think it's always been a conservative place, but it's now loudly yeah. political, where it's like everybody. It's, it's, very, it's loudly political. And I find that the politics and geography is the most depressing thing to me because I want to like or hate a place on its merits. If you're a surfer and I, if you love Trump and you're a surfer, you can't live in Texas. There are certain parts of the country that make sense for certain lifestyles. And now that everything's become so crazy, like I have friends in Florida now that are like, well, we're here because it's free and we love Trump. It's like, no, you're there because you were tired at 32. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? You're there because you just want to drink all day and God bless you. There's nothing wrong with yeah. that. Don't tie it into politics. Right. You just want to get drunk on your boat. But I believe that yeah. people, like I'll look at people and I'll say, not if you got to know me really. Like you right. can't, there's no way you can get to know me through right. social media or through the business. If you got to know me, not oh, if you knew me, you'd like me. But we'd at least stand a chance. The way things are, there is no chance. Right. And I'm in Montana shooting a movie, and the weekend comes, and I don't have my chargers with right. me. I'm walking around my hotel. I'm yeah. like, you know, I usually have a bag full of my chargers. I got to go to the Best Buy. I call up Uber. The guy comes and picks me up at the hotel in a huge pickup truck. Right. With a back cab, like yes. a second row. Yeah. And I get inside and I sit there and I said, I'm so sorry. I said, where is this place? He said, it's on the other side of town. 
and I go, real tough cowboy guy, probably 60. Yeah. And he goes, it's on the other side of town. He goes, well, this time of day, on a weekend, it shouldn't be too bad. He said, the traffic. He said, it's being Sunday, uh, Sunday morning, because the place opened at 10. Right. Uh, and I go, great. And I said, I don't know this town I'm here visiting. And he literally goes, he goes, you're a visiting town? He goes, you're not here for that Alex Baldwin film, are you? <laughs> and I so help me God, I got my sunglasses yeah. on and my mask. And I go, no, no, what's that? He goes, well, they're shooting some film here with uh, that Alex Baldwin. There's a pause. And he goes, I can't stand him. <laughs> He's a liar. And a, and a wife beater. Right. He names all this, right. all the shit that they've accused me of, none right. of which is true. And he, and he goes, I can't stand him. I go, really? I go, wow. I mean, I, I I mean, I know who he is. I know his films, but I didn't know he was. Is he? He's all those things. He said, yeah, I just can't stand him. Then there's a pause. A very pregnant. He puts the music on, some country music, and we get to the Best Buy and we pull up, and, and his name is like Doug or something. Right. It's on his uh, his uh, yeah. license, and I take out my license and I go, Doug. I am Alex Baldwin. And I hold up my license and give it to him through the screen. Yeah. And he takes my license, looks at it, and he looks at me in the rearview mirror and he goes, Jesus Christ, you are Alex Baldwin. <laughs> and I said, Doug, you can't believe everything you read about people. I right. Said, I'm, I'm just asking you to consider yeah. that a lot of what you read, it's just fucking nonsense. I mean, right. So it's, it's clickbait for people right. who want to sell things. I said, and it really isn't true. He says, well, I'm a, you, you may be right. I read a lot of this stuff, and I don't know what's true. Right. I don't know what's true. I go, well, you just tell people that you drove me in the cab and that we had a nice conversation or what have you. <laughs> yeah. There's just no hope right. of how do you permeate that and it's get hard. people to understand who you really are. Let me finish with this, which sure. is that I want you to really consider acting. Well, that's very kind. I want of you, you to, to consider say. acting. I'll tell you why. I would like the studios to consider me. Well, acting. but I'd like you to. I'll tell you. I'll tell you why. Because one thing people can't fake, which is very important in some roles you play, one thing people have or don't have that you can't fake is authority. Yeah. And if you have that authority, you can go do Twelve Angry Men. Right. You could. You you could do The Sky's the Limit yeah. when you have the intellectual velocity you have, the verbal facility that you yeah. have with words, and the authority. You could play yeah. the Lee J. Cobb role in On yeah. the Waterfront. Well, I appreciate you that. You should really think about that. I'm going to think about it. you can't buy that. I, I am going to think about it. I do hope that... Uh, you know, more things come down the pike. You know, I mean, that is. Uh, it's, Do you have an agent for the movies? Yeah, CAA. Yeah. We have all the same people. You should go. You should yeah, I have all that. the big. Go people. make some movies. You, you should know? make some. You should really should act. All right. Well, hey, it's, it's, I it's, appreciate it's self robbery yeah. if you don't, because you well, really, because you've got a great quality. To well, you. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. My thanks to comedian Tim Dillon. He'll be back on the road making people laugh this spring. Check out his upcoming tour dates at timdillancomedy.com. This episode was recorded at CDM Studios in New York City. We're produced by Kathleen Russo, Zach McNeese, and Maureen Hoban. Our engineer is Frank Imperial. I'm Alec Baldwin. Here's The Thing is brought to you by iHeartRadio. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. 
If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world. Hey, guys. You know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.